0: hallelujah, into good things, greater things, bigger things, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. You know, I just perceive it's better than you think. You got to get there. It's like God told uh, Reverend Mark Hankins one time, he said, Son, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. <laughs> See, a lot of times the reason that mountain's in your way is so the devil's trying to obstruct your view. Amen? Come on, but wherever you are today, on, there, is, there are greater things, bigger things, more weighty things, wonderful things. And if you knew what God had in store for you, what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. Where are we going to talk about moving mountains again tonight? Amen. Last week, if you were here, I taught you about how to pray and get the answer. Amen. Now, of course, I don't have time to rehash all that, but that is talking about a very particular type of prayer. Now, we want victory every time we pray, no matter what the type, right? If I'm in intercession, we need to pray through until we get the answer for that other person. It's not for us. I don't intercede for me. You don't intercede for yourself. To intercede means to stand in the gap for somebody else. Amen. But here we're talking about the prayer of faith. The prayer uh, to change things. The prayer to receive things. Amen. Laying hold of the promises of God. uh, The realities of your inheritance as a son, as a daughter of God. They exist. You know, F.F. Bosworth said that all of the blessings of God, all of the promises of God, everything that God has made available to us right now and today, they exist in two forms. Amen. They first exist in their unseen form. Amen. And then eventually, if you you and I will learn, they will mani- They'll be in their manifested form. Amen. 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 So you know the thing. You know the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I hope for them because I don't see them. Faith gives substance to those things. Amen? Your healing exists. Your healing is a settled fact. Your, your, Your healing is a biblical fact in the mind of God. And it exists. Your wholeness, your healing, your breakthrough, your finances, your soundness of mind. All of it exists in its unseen form. But if you and I will become skillful and learn how to pray and get the answer, learn how to use our faith, we don't have to just celebrate over something that exists and belongs to us in its unseen form. I can't really benefit from it until it shows up in the seen realm, in the seen form. Amen? And that, what we do there is a transaction with heaven, primarily what we call the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith is a phrase is actually used. I know you know that right here in James chapter 5. But let's look at it anyway. Amen? Amen? And uh, believe with me and for yourself, for greater light, greater revelation. None of us have arrived because we've heard a message like this before or, or 25 times. Amen. I've still got mountains I need to get moved. I've still got promises I need to get fulfilled. And it'll always be that way in this life. Amen. So in verse 13, it says, is anyone among you afflicted? Amplified says going through a test or trial. Let him, what? That's what you need to do. If you're going through a test and trial, it didn't say, you know, necessarily take a vacation. Right? It didn't say get up on Facebook and wine. Hello. Amen. And it, it, it didn't even say, you know, call Pastor David. Or your pastor. Is anyone going through a test or trial? Let him, let her pray. That's right. Well, it's not my message tonight, but can you see that prayer then is part of your way out of that test and trial? Right. Amen. Amen. I see that too. Glory to God. And so is anyone among you afflicted going through a test or trial? Let him pray. Is anyone merry? Is anyone happy? Let him sing psalms. That's a little odd, isn't it? Amen. No one ever, no, when I'm happy, no one ever has to tell me to act happy. Anyway. Then it says in verse 14, is any sick among you? I love that, that it's even a question mark, Reverend Kamel, implying might not be. And really there shouldn't be. But if there is, there's a remedy. Thank God. Let him, the one that's sick, call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him anointing, him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, here it is, and the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. It didn't say the prayer of wonder. It didn't say the prayer of hope. It didn't say the prayer of wish. It said the prayer of faith. Amen. You could replace that with everything else that you know that faith means to help you understand it. Uh, The prayer of trust. The prayer of confidence. The prayer of reliance. The prayer of belief. Amen. When that prayer is offered, what does it result in? Here in this context, it says that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Save the sick. How does that work? Save the sick. No doubt, it's the Greek word "sozo" or the Greek word "soterian." It means saved or healed or rested. Right, just like there's Miss Rita right over there. Very serious attack on her body. Blood clot up in her brain. Very serious. Temporarily lost the, lost the left side of her right, top to bottom on the left side. Amen. Time that she got to Vanderbilt and everything. I was talking to Pat, uh, Brother Roger over there, and he's like, "I, I can't tell anything that ever happened to her." <laughs> Is that right? She's a miracle walking. They tried to send her to rehab for ten days. She wouldn't even stay there. She just went on home. Hallelujah! Praise God! Amen. The prayer of faith. What does it do? Saves the sick. That means heals them. If you're sick and you need saving for a sick person, is healing a rescue? It will save the sick, amen, Amen. and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse, amen? Glory to God. Now, you can't believe words, the words of the Bible, and add phrases like, uh, if it be thy will. In this context, could you? If, you? if you have to say, Father, oh, we don't know, you know, you're the great God. and We know it's really all up to you. And if you want to deliver Rita, if you want a healer, just go ahead. But if not, you know, whatever. And if it be that, that's, not, that's by definition not the prayer of faith. And that is why when we pray that way, you don't see the sick being saved you don't see the Lord raising them up. Right. Not because he doesn't want to, but because his people are not meeting the conditions. Yeah. Right. Amen. 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 Now, uh, I love Brother Hagin's testimony. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, uh, laying there on the sickbed, he, he saw that it was the will of God, and he was reading this scripture, and uh, paralyzed there on his sickbed, and he tried to get his pastor to come pray the prayer of faith for him. Right? And the, his pastor would never come. So, you know, his mother's, uh, uh, he was kind of Southern Baptist. His mother was Methodist. And so they said, well, maybe my pastor will come. He didn't come. And then finally they did get one minister to come. And he prayed something like this. Oh, don't, just hold on, sonny boy. Just a few little while longer, whatever he said, it'll all be over. That was his prayer. That was his prayer. Well, that's not the prayer of faith. No. Right? Right? And uh, so very discouraged. he was discouraged for at least a month. Then God began to deal with him again. And, uh, but anyway, God said to him just by the Spirit laying there, he said, you know, son, you can pray the prayer of faith just as well as anybody. Amen. Amen. You, you don't have to have, you know, an elder per se. You just said the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. God honors the prayer of faith. And you can pray the prayer of faith. I can pray the prayer of faith just as good as anybody can. Amen. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he prayed He learned how to pray the prayer of faith and was raised up. Amen. Amen. So whether it's healing, praise God, you would go with me to Matthew 21. Uh, glory to God. Or finances or whatever it is that you're looking at from the Word of God as a promise, as part of your inheritance. And you want to experience it. You want to receive it. You know that if you can learn how to pray and make it a prayer of faith, amen, then uh, praise God, then you know God's not going to fail. He will raise you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will answer your prayer. It will surely come to pass. So when Jesus was on the earth talking about what he did to the fig tree, of course, he spoke to that fig tree and it obeyed him, didn't it? And so in Matthew 21, 21, it says, Jesus said unto them when they asked him about it, verily I say unto you, if you have faith. Alright, now if you've got a, a, something to mark your Bible with, if it's not already marked, amen, there's some key words here, right? There's the word if, that's a big word. And if in the Bible always puts it on you. You will never find your outcome tied to God's if. If. The if, when it, when it comes to you and I receiving, you and I being blessed, you and I having a prayer answered, the if is always directed at you and me. Amen. It's not a negative, we just need to know it. And then embrace the wonderful truth that I have it within my hand, me and God, to determine my outcome. Amen. Not the doctor, not the thing that's in my body, not the finances, not, not how I grew up. Amen? Not what other people do to me. Me and God, <laughs> Amen. He didn't say, you know, and start saying, "Well, verily, I say unto you," and start talking about twenty-five dominoes that have nothing to do with you, and they all have to fall in sync, or you're just toast. No, it says, "If you," right? Point at yourself. Say, Me. "Me." So, if I have faith, well, we just have to understand that the reason a lot of mountains are remaining in people's lives is we just have to let's just be honest about it, it's a lack of faith. Lack of faith based on lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Lack of faith based on a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. But uh, praise God, thank God we have faith. We have the God kind of faith he said we did. We just need to learn how to develop it, use it, and put it into practice. So he says, number one, if you have faith. And then he says, and what's it next? It says, and doubt not. Circle that. And doubt not. He says, don't doubt. You have to have faith and not doubt. I have to have faith and not doubt. Those are the two big conditions here, right? If you have faith and don't doubt, you shall not only do this, which was done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. It shall be be done. If you're applying this to an unpaid bill, think about it. It shall be paid. It shall be. If you're dealing with a tumor in your body, it shall be driven out. Amen. Whatever condition, it shall be. Amen. Praise God. Don't you love it? And so in verse 22 it says, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. Well, since you and I have been dealt, we have been given the measure of the God kind of faith. Romans 12, 3 says that we have been given the measure of faith from God. Then we can't say we don't have faith. You do have faith. Don't ever let the devil tell you. Don't ever let your unrenewed mind tell you that you don't have faith. The Bible says you've got faith. If you don't have faith, you need to get saved. And, well, that takes faith. Yeah, but He gives saving faith. He gives saving faith as a work of His grace. And then once you receive salvation and the Holy Ghost comes to indwell your spirit, Amen, He imparts, He brings with Him the measure of the God kind of faith. The very same faith that God uses to operate himself. Yep. Right. Amen. You have. Amen. Amen. And so we have faith. So uh, if we operate the faith we have to any degree, according to this verse, there's only one thing that could sabotage it and rob us of the answer. What would that be? Yeah. Doubt. Doubt. That's the one negative in there. If you read Mark's version, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said there, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. The only negative thing we have to watch out and guard against in that verse is doubt. So I want to remind us all and myself that doubt is a robber. Doubt is a thief. Doubt is a danger. Doubt could keep me out. Doubt will keep you out from the promised land. Doubt will keep the promises of God in their unseen form. So we, we don't just need to think about the principles and the laws and the operation of the God kind of faith. We have to guard against and be aware and understand, amen, the number one thing Jesus is pointing out here that could sabotage the whole process, and that's doubt. Amen? So we have to learn to identify doubt when doubt is working against us. We need when we've yielded to doubt. We need to. Rec- I darn it! I yielded to doubt. That's doubt. Well, you, that's a good thing when you go when you recognize that it's just not your flow. Amen. Then you can repent. One thing I've learned is that you can ebb in and out of faith and doubt all day long if you want. Be in faith for thirty seconds and be in doubt for five minutes. Amen? But what we must learn to do, amen, is to get in faith and stay in faith. That's where it's all about. It's not hard to start faith. Amen? The challenge is stay there in faith while the heat of the circumstances, while you're looking at contradictory evidence, when it looks like it's getting worse and not better, we've got to learn to resist the thing that would rob us of our answer to prayer, and that's doubt. And overcome doubt as it comes against us. Go back to James. Hallelujah. I like it. Amen. Amen. I mean, God has put the the oyster on the platter and opened its shell, and the oyster, the pearl of great price, is right there. And it's all everything you'd ever want and need and dream of in life. Amen. Is within your faith's grasp. Amen. And one of the biggest things, it's not the only thing, but one of the biggest things that robs us of oh, that great pearl of great price, the promise of God manifests in our life is doubt. Just good, old-fashioned, ungodly doubt and unbelief. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amen. Doesn't mean we're bad people. Praise God. But we just have to recognize how serious doubt can be. Amen. So let's be reminded of this here in chapter 1, James chapter 1. Glory to God. So it says uh, in verse 5, If any of us lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all liberally. That means generously. And he upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing doubting. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. I like compare and contrast. So if, if I'm in doubt, I'm wavering. I'm like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, when I'm in doubt, I'm not in control. I am being subject to the outside forces of circumstances. I'm being moved at the whim of pressure, thoughts, and feelings, and bombarding attacks of the enemy. Doctors' reports, unpaid bills, deadlines, frustrations, the passing of time. You, you'd probably be surprised. Every, you know, as, as far as everything else, they're doing great in faith, and what trips them up is the simple passing of time. They yield to doubt because they say if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Just remember, God does not see time the way you and I do. Amen. <laughs> One, yeah, it is. One day, one day with the Lord is a thousand is as a thousand years. <laughs> one day. I mean, my mom went to heaven in 2015. What is that 2005, so a little bit longer. So that's 15, 16, 17 years ago. So what is that in God time? She's been gone a few minutes. Less than. Minute and a half, yeah. less than that even statistically. Yeah. You can do the math on it. She just barely stepped over. She's probably still in administration. <laughs> She's still wearing her name tag. Think about it. Yeah. But we get so tripped up, and we're not helped by our microwave, instant coffee, instant pudding, instant drive-through, instant everything society. Amen. I mean, if a video buffers for five seconds, we're frustrated. Is that right? Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. Amen. But I tell you, the passing of time trips people up. Amen. So we're looking here at James. So if I'm in faith, I'm, dire- I'm setting the direction. Yep. Amen. Faith is at the helm. Amen. Amen. Yes, there are waves, but I'm steering myself through those waves. Yes, there is wind, but my course is not being set or affected by the waves in the wind. Yeah. Amen. My faith is set the course. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. But if you step out of faith and you just leave the, leave the helm, your ship will just float around and be directed at the whim of the wind. The whim of the circumstances. There's no way to live. This is why faith is the greatest and the highest way to live. Because it gives you stability. Faith gives you, no matter what's going on, no matter what people do, no matter what's happening in my life, amen, I have peace right now, I have joy right now, I have confidence right now, amen, because I'm in faith. I know the outcome. My faith is given substance to the promise of God. Faith gives you permission to be okay when things are not okay. That's good, isn't it? Faith, amen, gives you permission to be okay when others are falling apart. Amen. You sleep better. You have better blood pressure. I'm telling you, you're, not, you're more pleasant to be around. Amen. And so am I. Amen. Okay, look, look at verse 7. For let not the man think, if he yields to doubt, right, if he wavers, let not that man think that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. So here's we see something about doubt, right? Doubt is disqualifying. Doubt is disqualifying. Doubt upends the entire faith process. Doubt causes you to unplug from the power source. Amen? If you do a word study on the word doubt, it really comes from a couple of Greek and Latin terms, uh, praise God. And at the root of the word doubt is D-U-O, D-U-O do-o. And yeah, that's where we double mm-hmm. dubious doubt. Mm-hmm. So it gives you insight uh, that if if doubt is present, there's always two. There's always two. What two? What two thoughts? Two opinions. Two directions. Two options. Two plans. Two possible outcomes. To questions. That's why I say faith doesn't ever need a plan B. So in building this process, you know, it just looks like the whole thing is gonna fall apart. So what is my plan, God, if it all falls apart? You ain't no talking about that. God won't talk to you about that kind of thing. He didn't me why? Because It is not falling apart. It looks like it's falling apart. It looks like it's not working. Amen. It looks like, as Reverend Randall Greer would say, working in reverse. Amen. Amen. But faith needs no plan B. There are no other options. Well, we got to have, you know, uh, we got to have wisdom. Wisdom is to believe God, wisdom is to trust God. Wisdom, if you're wise, you will not doubt. Amen. And doubt, you know, faith only needs one way, one answer, one route, one direction, one word from God, not twenty-five. Amen. Is that right? I mean, if He says, "My God, I am supplying all your need." You don't need 25 different financial options laid out for you of what you could do if God doesn't come through. There is no such thing as God not coming through. Ever, ever. It's not a thing. What was Jesus' backup plan going into the tomb? What What was his backup plan to get out of hell? It's, it's God raises me up, or I'm not coming out. And you've really never known faith for yourself until you have stepped out over on the aching void and put your foot on nothing but God's Word to hold you up. And when you went out there and, oh, here I go, onto seeming nothing, and you for yourself, amen, feel the weight of His support underneath your foot. Until you've done that, you can agree with the Word, you can have a measure of faith in the Word, but until you put that kind of faith to work in your own life, you, you couldn't say that you're a person of faith in that, in that area. You've got to prove the Word of God for yourself. you got to take what you're hearing at church, take what the Holy Ghost is talking to you about, uh, amen, all the information, sermons, and everything that you've learned, and put them to work in your life. Amen. So quickly, let me run down. Uh, Noah Webster, 1828, was a great, great resource to to get to the root of what doubt, what the word means, what it looks like. So let me give you some phrases I got from his dictionary. Uh, Doubt means to turn from. To turn from. So if, if God says, I want you to go in the ministry, I want you to do this, and then it gets really rough, and you turn from that instruction, you did so because you doubted. Amen? God gives you an instruction in in whatever area, and uh, you set out to do that, uh, but uh, like I said, things get rough, and you you talk yourself into doing something different. You did so because you doubted. When you turn from what God said, that's a form of doubt. We, we saw this. It means to waver. Uh, it means to vacillate. Amen? When you see that struggle going on in a person, hmm, 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 doubt. Amen? Just, just know that is doubt at work. Amen. The word uh, means I'm not determined. I'm not determined. In other words, I have not decided. Which means I'm still weighing options. Yeah, here's what God said, but the doctor said. Well, here's what, here's what God says about giving, but here's why I can't do it. Right? So you're not determined. You haven't decided. You're not settled. Another, so there's another word, single word. To doubt means to be uncertain. So If you've taken a stand on things and then you go to a doctor's appointment and he talks you out of it, it's because you weren't certain in the first place. Amen. It's why Dr. Dufresne would say to people in the ministry... If you go in the ministry, you better know what God called you to do. You better know you heard from God. You better know it down to your bones because if you don't, you're going to get in the ministry, it's going to get really rough, and the devil's going to beat your brains out. Because you didn't settle some things. Amen. So Webster says that the word doubt means to entertain questions. To entertain questions is a form of doubt. So someone brings you the word, or you're in prayer, and or you're just reading your Bible, and there it is. There's the truth. There's the promise of God, and you start bringing your questions. Just all your, just and you just never stop with the questions. Well, what about and what about and what about and Grandma and we prayed for so and so, and they died, and and what about and what about and what about and what about? about? When are you going to believe what is written? When are you going to believe what God said? When are you going to stop entertaining, when am I going to stop entertaining questions? What if it doesn't work? <laughs> there is no such thing as faith in God not working. That's right. Now, do we really believe that? Think about it. We ought to just stop there for a minute. What I just said. People believe that they did everything right in prayer to God. Amen. Amen. And it didn't work. It, can that be possible? Is that true? I don't, I don't even leave it out there as a trick question. It, it is not a possible thing. That you were in faith, in compliance, meeting the conditions, and you got in there and you stayed that way, and it didn't work. There's no such thing as faith failure. That's not a term that nope. Pastor Nancy reminded us of that in that service I was in recently. Faith, there's no such thing as faith failure. If there's a failure, it's because we left faith. No doubt we doubted. Amen. Brett, if you're in control of with the app on that unit right there, you go ahead and turn it up a little bit. So I like this one. Webster says the word to doubt means to hesitate. To hesitate. You start to move forward, mm-hmm. because I mean, to go in faith, you have to be committed. I'm committed to the course. I'm committed to the act. This is my. Course. This is it. I'm the Word of God by His stripes. I'm healed. This. This is it. Amen. So praise God. You have to be. You can't be hesitant. This is why it's 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 really good to avoid doubt, is to become fully persuaded before you pull the faith trigger take time to fellowship with god take time to hear take time to meditate upon the word take time to build his promises into your spirit amen ask your questions before you pull the faith trigger before you step out on the water before you start the business before the first storm comes, before the first demon shows up, because once your faith bullet exits the gun, you shouldn't be stopping it, man. You should just—it's oh, gone. That's it, and we're going that way. Yeah. I like this. Uh, Webster says the word "to doubt" means to be in suspense. I went, hmm, I'm going to have to go over here and look up suspense. What does he even mean by that? And so he says, a man's mind is in suspense when, he, when it is balancing the weight of different arguments or considerations. Right? And listen, when you're in faith and you're dealing with circumstances, you're, you're going to be dealing with all kinds of stuff, right? People's opinions, what mama thinks, Right? all the thoughts the devil wants to bring, he wants to give you visions of failure and, and not working out and this heap of a mess and, and oh my God, what, all this stuff that you have to deal with. Right. Amen. Amen? What faith does is once faith has been entered into, it ignores all that, won't touch all that, won't enter into all that. Amen. It'll look away to the promise of God. It's like, uh, it like, it's like it says about Abraham. Abraham did not consider his own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, if he did, his, what would his body tell him? I can't. It's past time. Expiration date. Ain't no warranty on me. You know, <laughs> the warranty has expired. Amen. If he considered his body, and he said, Well, let me consider Sarah's body. Same thing, right? Past due. <laughs> I'm past due. It's like the date on the milk. I'm past due. It's just over. I'm breaking down. I'm in that mode. Can't do it. So it says about Abraham that he did not consider his own body. But he did that because he was fully persuaded that God was able to perform what he promised. And it's important to understand that Abraham wasn't instantly fully persuaded. It took him a long time to get fully persuaded. But it only took nine or ten months, less than a year, for the baby to show up once he got fully persuaded. What's taken all the time? Well, you know, no doubt you're going into faith and then back into doubt and then faith and then you're hesitating, and going back, and how come it's not working? And, it, you know, if I'd have been healed by now, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe it isn't God's will to heal me. But Pastor Chris is missing something about this whole healing thing. A lot of preachers out there say healing's passed away. Maybe that's right. You know, who am I supposed to believe? All these preachers. You're not supposed to believe preachers, you're supposed to believe what the Bible says. I said, you're not supposed to believe preachers, you're supposed to believe what the Bible says. And when you can find a preacher that actually says what the Bible, now you really got something going on, there. You know, praise God. Amen. Amen. But do you see what I mean? So uh, he says S- to be in suspense means that uh, this is what I'm, my mind is suspended. I haven't chosen a direction. I'm still weighing different considerations, different arguments. He goes on and says that the, to be in suspense means I'm in a state of uncertainty. So here's, here's a good way that I check myself to see am I, have I yielded to doubt. Whatever I'm facing, standing, believing God for. I'll say, Chris, are you sure? Are you sure? And my heart will tell me the true answer. And sometimes I'll, I have to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's another description of faith. If you faith, if you're in faith, you're sure. If you're in faith, you're sure. So think about it. If, uh, if your faith really was at the place where you didn't need that doctor's procedure, you didn't need the recommended uh, prescription or surgery or treatment, then you'd be sure you didn't. And if you're sure you didn't, one thing you would not need to do is come ask pastor whether or not you ought to have it. Because if you were sure, because you were in faith, that question is unnecessary. You wouldn't even cross your mind. So every time someone tells, asks me the question, I just use it as an opportunity. You are telling me that you should have it. Because you want to be sure, but you're not. Because if you were sure, you wouldn't be asking me. And there's no shame in going and getting a procedure. The point is get help. The point is what can you believe today? Don't make it a pride thing. Well, I I got to show everybody at WHC that my faith is up there, like with you know Sister Stacy. Well, none of us are up there with Sister Stacy yet. So just chill, you know. Pray, but don't make it a pride. You die. People die and they they fail and they make a big mess of their lives. You putting on faith because they don't want anyone else at Faith Church or World Harvest Church to you know indicate that I'm not. At a faith level, then I'm not. Are you with me on that? So, uh, doubt, uh, there's a flow of fear, apprehension, and dread sometimes when doubt's at play. This is a big one to me. And I've already kind of mentioned it, so I'll just mention it again. But a big definition of doubt means to question. To question the word is to doubt. I mean, so many times I've put the plain text of God's promise for that that person's situation in front of them and they will not receive it as their answer. They question it. They've got, they always come up with some rationale not to embrace it as their, that's it, I accept it, that's my answer. Thanks, Pastor. It's a form of doubt. We're not bad people because we do this, but it is evil to doubt the word. According to Numbers 13 and 14, those 10 spies came back. God says that they gave the children of Israel an evil report. The report was they doubted God's word and God's ability to bring them into the land. And God called it an evil report. And when he judged them, every one of those 10, I read it today, they died by a plague in front of the Lord. Because those 10 representatives robbed the multitudes of their confidence in God's right. Word. Yeah. We should be careful not to spread our doubt to someone who really is on the brink of being in faith. Don't discourage somebody else's faith. Don't bring your failure and your, you know, all the people you knew that died from that very thing. Don't tell that person that. That doesn't have anything to do with that person. Amen. Remember, we're... We're the ones uh, aiming at uh, Psalm 91 that says a 1,000 could d- die of this at your left side, 10,000 on your right hand, but it's not coming near me. Amen. So I don't want to hear about the 11,000 that died. I'm not going to. Amen. amen. 11,000 people get COVID. I'm not getting it. Amen. I said I'm not getting it. Amen. Are you sure? I'm sure. Yeah, amen. amen. 11,000 bankruptcies, I won't be one of them. I'm going over. I have a supply. So do you. Amen? You get anything out of this tonight? Man, where's the time going Wednesday night? Before we leave this section on uh, what doubt is, uh, the worst kind of doubt is this last one, and it is distrust. Now, a lot of us, we slip into doubt because of the pressure of circumstances. We slip into doubt because of our lack of knowledge. We slip into doubt for a lot of reasons. And if I'm going to doubt, I want it to be that. But there is uh, really what the ten spies and these others did. The children of Israel, why were they barred from the land? Why were they sentenced to death in the wilderness over 40 years? Because they'd seen his miracles. His miracles. They had seen God on the Mount. They had heard His voice. They were slaves in Egypt. They watched God work miracle after miracle after miracle. Then He got them in the wilderness and He worked miracles to feed them, water them, protect them. They saw every day His manifested glory, a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And time after time after time after time after time, they griped, they moaned, they doubted, they complained. And here... They, they, they broke the straw on the camel's back with their doubt. They chose not to believe. That is distrust. And that is the most egregious form of doubt. Because it is willful doubt. It is, I will not believe. And, and that is, that's really bad. We don't want to be those people. That have all the evidence, all the word, all the teaching, all the revelation right in front of us and go, I will not believe that healing is for me. I will not. I will not believe that speaking in tongues is relevant to my life today. I just, I will not. That willful doubt. You, you can know down to, in your knower, knower, know it all your life that you're called to ministry. And, and just reject it. I, I will not. I, I, I just... Amen. And it's a, it's, a form, it's a willful form of doubt that is really, really ungodly, really evil. Amen. Let's close over here tonight in the book of Matthew again. Matthew 14. Didn't get as far as maybe I wanted to, but we've said some good things. You know, if nothing else, if you can begin to... If you leave this place uh, more on guard than you came in against doubt and a little bit more aware of how doubt looks, how it works, how it, how it manifests, then, hey, we accomplished something. We accomplished something. And we always have next Wednesday. That's the great thing about pastoring the church, right? We always have next service. All you have to do is be willing to come back. And all I have to be willing to do is come back. Amen, I'm willing. Matthew chapter 14. And I I don't like it when I do this. I studied this afternoon at a different Bible that I'm preaching from. So I'm looking for the scriptures on the page, and they're not there, even though I'm in the right chapter. And we're looking for where Peter walked on the water. And uh, so, yeah, verse number uh, 22, yeah. So let's look at this a moment before we leave. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. And to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, and it's really the lake of Galilee, which is a large, freshwater body of water, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now notice, before anything happens about Peter walking on the water, what kind of, what kind of water, sea conditions were, was it? It's rough. Thank you, Sarah. It's rough. So, as we get into the story, I know you've read the story before, I don't want you to think that the water, he started walking on smooth water. And then he entered into doubt because the water got rough. The water was rough before he started. Just keep that in mind, amen? The water was rough before he started. And so where are we now? What verse? Oh, the air conditioner blew my thing. Okay, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and you would be too, probably. It is a spirit or a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter, gotta love him, I do. And Peter answered him and said, Lord... If it be thou, if it be you, invite me, bid me, come unto thee on the water. Well, I'm sure he didn't mean to, but he sure got Jesus in a box now. (laughs) Normally humans don't get to walk on the water. Normally they don't walk on the water. But is it Jesus? He can't lie. He is the truth, the way and the life. And Peter he framed the question, put him in a box. If it be you, is it him? He says, if it be you, invite me to come on the water. Well, the only way to prove it's him, and it is him, is to say what he said. And what did he say? Come. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I mean, come on. Did it say that he walked on the water? What kind of water did he walk on? Rough water. It don't matter rough or smooth. You can't walk on rough water. You can't walk on smooth water. I've water skied on like glass. That's when, you know, that's some of the great skiing, you know, especially if you're slaloming, doing some different things. You want it like glass. Amen. But you can't. I never walked on water like that. So you got to picture this. He's he's totally been upended. He's totally enraptured and enthralled with this being. He's never seen that sight before. He lives on the Lake of Galilee. He's a fisherman. Never saw this. You know what in that moment? He forgot all about weather. He forgot all about wind. He forgot all about the natural. And he was so taken in by his Lord, by Jesus, walking on the water, demonstrating the supernatural, walking in the miraculous. Out of his heart, out of his mouth, he says, bid me come. Jesus says, come. And before he knows it, he is getting down out of the boat and he is walking on the water. Amen? And I saw this today, I don't know that I ever kind of really saw it this way, but... Uh, Peter was not walking on the will of God. He's not walking on the water because of the will of God. We know that's true. Because if the will of God in the matter is the only factor, he wouldn't have sunk. Because the will of God never changed. Jesus never changed his mind. He never said, you know what, I changed my mind. What are you doing out here? See, the will will never changed. So Peter wasn't walking on the will of God, on the will of Jesus. He was walking on his faith in Jesus' Word. He was walking on the water by faith in the Word come. And when Peter stepped out to do what only the supernatural power of God to do, because he's totally enamored and only focused, singularly focused on Jesus and coming to Him on the water, he walked on the water by faith. And as long as he was in that flow, he walked on the water. But then, all of a sudden, he comes to himself. He gets this realization What am I doing? Where am I? Wait a minute. He gets back out. He's out of the spirit. He's in the natural. And he lets himself look at the waves. He lets himself notice the wind. And he immediately considered it a problem. And the moment he added a consideration into the purity of what he believed a minute before. You've got two now. Duo. Double. More than one intention. Still wanting to walk on the water to go to Jesus, but now weighing the effect of the natural circumstance. And when he injected that consideration, what happened to the power that was holding him up? it immediately ceased. Did the power cease because the will of God changed? The power of God ceased to manifest because He yielded to doubt. And do you see how effortlessly, how thoughtlessly, how naturally He left the flow of faith and yielded to doubt? We know He doubted because Jesus said so. Immediately, he began to sink. Amen. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed his arm, pulled him back up on the water. And I can just see, I'm imagining Jesus just smile so sweetly and say, Peter, what's up with this little faith? Oh, thou little faith, why did you doubt? Notice Jesus couldn't undo the effect of doubt. To help Peter. He couldn't just say, forget it, I'm going to cause the power of God to keep in manifestation. Because he's trying. And we think that we ought to get all these kudos and God just up in the system because we're trying. What did James tell us, Ken? What did James tell us, Reverend Marilyn? If you doubt, if you waver, let that person not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. Doubt is a thief. Doubt will rob us. Yep. So there I, I saw a new definition of little faith. Little faith is faith that started but didn't continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Little faith can be defined here as faith that started but didn't continue. How many of you, you could say you started in faith in some areas, but you laid it down for whatever reason. You laid it down, didn't mean to, but you just just as effortlessly as Peter did, you got to, you you got your eye off Jesus. You stepped out of that pure moment of just simple childlike faith and trust in what you and Jesus have going on right then, to let your eye fall over to what the natural's telling you. We're not evil for doing that, guys. It's just It happens all the time. But for us to become more proficient and skillful and supernatural in faith and to get those faith results faster, amen, to get those dreams and promises and assignments fulfilled in your life, we have to start faith and finish it. Stay in it. So it's going to mean a lot of batting away, a lot of not looking, a lot of ignoring, mm-hmm. a lot of refusing, a lot of real focus on what we're looking at, what we're considering. Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of that? Yes. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do we get if we doubt? Nothing. 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 We'll have to. We'll just have to. Get back in the boat and row. That sounds hard. Walking on the water sounds better. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand up. Praise God. Praise God. God is a faith God. And we are His faith people. We don't have to doubt. That's another thing you hear a lot from Christians. We all doubt. We have to doubt. Everybody doubts. It's inevitable that we doubt. We're all going to doubt. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to doubt less. A lot less in the days to come. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight.